Hey y'all, welcome back to the Worlds of Country podcast. I'm your host, Andrew. Thank you guys so, so, so much for tuning in once again. I know it's been a while and we're so glad to be back. Today I'm joined by Sarah Gross to talk all about her musical journey and carving out her path within the musical music industry. I can't even talk, that's how long it's been. Um, hope you guys enjoyed this one. I know I really did. We'll talk to you guys on the other side. Hey, Sarah, how are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. What have you been up to lately? Um, I have been pretty busy. I just graduated from school, so I am settling in into adulthood. It's just as bad as they said it would be. So, <laughs> yeah, it's been fun. <laughs> How's the transition going? <laughs> it's honestly, I mean, you... You feel like you're taking, you know, one step forward and three steps back, as the great Olivia Rodrigo once said. Um, but, you know, then you can, like, look back in a couple of months and you're like, oh, my gosh, I, I totally did that without even realizing it. Um, so, I don't know. I'm trying to have more patience with myself going into the new year. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's pretty weird. It, it feels weird to not have, like, a set schedule anymore. It's definitely an adjustment, but it's finally you get to, to do what you want to do full time. So. Yes. Yes. Yeah, that is really exciting. So when did you know that music was something that you wanted to pursue? I think I was in math class and I realized um, I'm not good at this. <laughs> and then I Better find thinking... something else. <laughs> in science class and I said yep not this either um no but I I've been around music growing up I used to be a competitive dancer for 12 years of my life so I um spent a lot of time listening intently to music and I have a very musical family so music was kind of you know, given to me. Um, I didn't really have to look very hard for it to be in my life. And then it has just been a constant. And then once I realized that I could actually do that for a job, I that was a game changer for me. So, yeah. Was that like an evolution over time where you realized maybe I could make a life out of this? Or was that like a moment where it sort of clicked for you? I had always thought both my parents are teachers. So if you are children of teachers, you are just grow up thinking you're also going to be a teacher. Um, and my boyfriend is, is also a child of a teacher. So we, we had like bonded over this of so just in your head, you think it's kind of the only option. Um, and then I think it was around high school when I met my now, you know, very close friends of mine um, who we record music together. I met them when I was about 15 or 16. And then they kind of showed me that there was a whole other world in music outside of education where you could, you know, be in a band and record music and go to school for something like that. And that's really when that clicked for me. Was there like one aspect that drew you into music or was it like more than one thing, I guess? I, I guess I because I was on stage so much as a kid because of dance, I, I loved performing. Um, and 
then when I started to learn about recording, that's when I really got into what makes a record and what goes into a song. And those things really started to fascinate me. And I made so many connections between dance and producing um, that that really just, you know, it was hook, line and sinker for me then. You don't, for whatever reason, you don't see a lot of female producers these days. Mm -hmm. And maybe maybe we should talk a little bit about that if you, you would like to. Yeah, let's go for it. Let's dig in. So did, let's <laughs> dig into the to the to the real stuff here. Yeah. So why why do you think that that is? I think it's um, a very gate kept job in general. Um, there's a culture with audio engineers where everything has to be super explainable, and I think even as artists, you feel like there's a barrier between the tech side and the music side. And it's kind of like opening Pandora's box once you start to, you know, walk over to the tech side of things and see the divide. The techie people don't want the artists to learn about what we can do because A, it's job security and B, they just like, you know, being by themselves. And um, that's kind of where I think a lot of it comes from, but when you already have a divide and then you're also a young woman in the music industry, you don't really know that you can have those options, that it is there for you. You can learn it. And maybe it's not as hard as you were taught it was. So yeah, I think that it's really just accessibility. As someone who sort of walked over that line to, to the techie side, do, do, does it feel stigmatized to you now that you're, you're in that world? Yeah, I I think that have been times, you know, I've had my moments where people can, you know, you know, put put me in a corner or look overlook me or maybe underestimate me. Um and whether or not that's because I'm young or if it's because I'm a woman, I'm not sure. Um but I I do see it sometimes. Um a little bit of fun that comes with always you know being like oh they have no idea that I know this Even or they have... is one of the, the oh most it feels great life. it feels so good <laughs> so yeah I think that you kind of have to look at the at the brighter side in something like that or you will always just be dwelling on how overwhelming it can be was that something that took you time to learn or were you always sort of I guess, for lack of a better term, stubborn. Yeah, I um, thankfully the people that taught me recording, um, I was surrounded by women. It was um, my high school music director, her husband and her daughter ran a glorified home studio um, in their garage, and it you know it was a, it was a really nice studio, but there were always women, always working with other women. So it really wasn't until I got to school, I had already, you know, learned a lot from them. And then by the time I got to college where I was, you know, one of four women in the whole program with of a 35 person program, really the first time that I was like, oh, wow, this is, this is what they were preparing me for. 
Um, but I already had the confidence to, to kind of go through and, you know, do my thing. Do you feel like the sort of the lack of representation also prevents other women from, from walking over to the tech side as well? Absolutely. I have so many clients they're just, or just other women that I've worked with who say like, I, I can't work on this song with someone that doesn't understand this or I can't like work with someone who's going to make me feel like they just know way more than I do and it's you know there's there's not a collaboration there and I think that a lot of producers get into it by being artists by being songwriters and by being musicians and when nobody is telling you that there is you know something that you can learn when it doesn't when it feels more like I'm doing a service for you and not this is a collaboration and we're here to teach each other something I think that prevents a lot of people from wanting to get into the field for sure so uh, apart from your your production you're also an artist in your own right so how would mm -hmm. you describe your musical style for people that haven't heard you before I like to say that if Cheryl Crow went through a bangs phase and then regretted it instantly, <laughs> that's what my music sounds like. <laughs> that's a very, very vocal picture, right there. Yeah, I, I think it's pretty accurate. As someone who went through a bangs phase and regretted it, I, I you know, I, I think it's, you know, that's what it is. <laughs> So how, how long did it sort of take you to settle on the style? Was there a lot of trial and error or did this always sort of feel right to you? Yes, there was definitely some trial and error. I grew up with country music because that's what my parents listened to, which if you can hear my accent at all, you know that I'm not from the South and I am from Long Island. <laughs> um, so I rejected it in my teens because it was my mom's music and it wasn't cool anymore. And then um, I got into funk music in college. Uh, Lawrence and Sammy Ray and the Friends and uh, bands like that. And really, really wanted to make something like that. And then COVID hit. And then I realized that I was going more towards the golden country era. The, you know, John Prine, Bob Dylan, uh, Linda Ronstadt, all of those you know, artists from the the 70s and 80s who were making folk country music, that was the thing that was bringing me comfort during the pandemic. And that was kind of when um, country music really made a, a reappearance in my in my musical journey. <laughs> Do you feel like you've also pulled from some of the, the other influences that you've picked up over the years? Or Yes. Totally. I, I think you can learn something from every genre of music. And it's a shame when people say that they don't listen to all different kinds of music. And genre lines in there, the concept of genre lines is becoming more and more outdated as we go along with the way everyone's pulling from here, there, and yeah. everywhere. As it should be. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to see because, you know, genres at the end of the day just inhibit people from hearing the music because it's categorized in a category that they may not think that they like yeah but, totally yeah. yeah i totally agree
So what would you say have been some of the bigger lessons that you've learned along this musical journey of yours? Hmm. I think one that I need to keep reminding myself is not to take it so seriously. And <laughs> that this is a field that's so unique. And many people get very jealous of when you tell them I work in music because either that or they say you don't make any money. Those are <laughs> also true, but, <laughs> but at least I like what I'm doing. You know, at least I'm doing something that inspires me and fuels me and, you know, kind of gives me a reason to want to work. And I would put work in quotation marks because sometimes it doesn't even feel like work. Um, but yeah, I think on the flip side of that, the other lesson is to take yourself so seriously and live in the delusion that you are the best version of yourself that you can be in, in music. Because who's going to believe you if you don't believe yourself? No one can dream your dreams for you. Yes, exactly. Totally. Yeah, and it's it's hard because music is so like personal at the end of the day, yet you sort of need this community around you at the same time and to sort of mold that together it's such a tough yes. challenge it's really vulnerable yes. and you have to find those people that you could trust with the vulnerability too so. yes yes 100 percent. so on the flip side of the lessons what would you say have been some of the bigger challenges that you've faced along this journey yeah i think that there's a lot of pressure that you need to find your niche um, very early on as an artist. And I think of everything, whether it's life or music or career or whatever. When you were 18, you picked your major in college. Did it end up being the same thing that you graduated college with? Or did you think when you graduated, did you think that you were going to do the same thing that you wanted when you were 18? Like you change all the time. Yeah. And so is your music and so is your brand and so are you. So I think just giving yourself a little bit of grace to maybe not be in a niche all the time is really important. That sort of goes back to what we were talking about before about putting music in boxes and yes. basically slapping a label yeah. on it. Yeah. It's so much easier to do that. And it's more yeah. much more palatable for people to say that you are a xy artist yeah. and there's a person behind that so it's really difficult to do yeah and also with like social media and everything you're so attached to just seeing numbers as opposed to the people behind the numbers yes yes 100 percent. so on the topic of social media was like tiktok and that kind of stuff something easy for you to jump into or were you reluctant to, to hop on the train I, in the beginning, when it was Whipped Coffee and Tiger King, <laughs> that I wasn't really sold yet. Um, and then all of my my other collaborators were saying, no, like, you have no idea how powerful this is going to be. And I was like, I'll believe it when I see it. Um, and then it, I, I kind of accidentally fell into it. I had like posted some video about Scotty McCreary um, when I met him in like the sixth grade and then it blew up <laughs> and it was like, and then you were stuck there. <laughs> and then I was a star. <laughs> no, but, um, 
it just, it was the most like kismet thing ever. I had that video blow up. And then two days later, I had released a single. And it was the first single off of my debut album, Songs of the Passenger Seat. And that just kind of really launched a career for me. Um, I was able to start promoting my music to not just my friends and family. So, so yeah. It, yeah, as long as you like sort of know how to use it, it's such a great tool. But it could also, the flip side of that, it could be very damaging people but <laughs> yeah <laughs> i don't know why i'm laughing <laughs> i know i <laughs> yeah so um of all the songs that you've put out are there one or two that stick out as personal favorites yeah they change all the time which i think is a good sign um that you're on the right path sonically um of songs that I've released, I, I always come back to a song called Osprey Park on my EP, The Riversides. Um, and that was a, really a story song um, hidden in a love song. Um, but I think that it, for me, just captures the, you know, the turning of the tide of you were in high school and now you are kind of entering adulthood, like you're not old enough to not make mistakes, but you're not young enough to like keep pretending to be a high schooler. And I think that there's a lot of anxiety um, that still resonates today. It's like you, when you're in your twenties, you just constantly feel like you're shedding skin and you're just becoming a new person. Um, so I feel like that's a song that I always kind of go back to because it's something that I have felt all throughout my 20s so far. So when you're when you're writing songs, is there like something that sticks out that separates the the good songs from, from the bad songs and the, the great songs from the good songs, probably more importantly? Yeah, I think that songs that I whenever I put music out, I want to make sure that it's something that I really believe in and that it's something I 100% wholeheartedly want to be out in the world and I am proud of and the songs that I keep singing to myself as the days go on and and oh I wrote that song what happened to that song like when I if I can't stop thinking about it and it sways me to sit down and record it um I think that's kind of what separates it because when you're writing so many songs, it's easy to let the, you know have them all blend in. Just got lost, other. yeah. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So, what's next for you? Great question. No idea, <laughs> but <laughs> I um finished a lot of touring, which was really the first time uh, so far that I've been able to tour. And um, I just, you know, I graduated college and then I just kind of jumped right into it and touring all over New York and Pennsylvania and like all these places and stuff. So I really, really loved that. I think that was very affirming for me that that's what I want to do. Um, but I'm also doing a lot of recording and I'm, it started out as I'm going to record an album and now 
so many songs are coming into my life that I really want to record. So I'm just kind of going on a recording spree. And I think that when I do release another album, I'm going to have to pick um, a big pool of songs. Um, right. Sounds so yeah, like a I fun that's, time. To, that's kind to of to what's going down on. Your songs. Yeah. Yeah, I do love the winter for that reason. I think it's a great time to just hibernate and create music as much as possible. So I want to do a little rapid fire with you before I let you go, if that's cool with you. Yes, sure. <laughs> just God only knows it's going to come out of my mouth, but sure. Oh, that's, that, that's, the, that's the fun in this. <laughs> great. <laughs> if you could only eat one food the rest of your life, what would it be? Dino Nuggies, 100%. You could only listen to one song the rest of your life. What would it be? Um, Scott Street by Phoebe Bridgers. Biggest pet peeve? Um, many. Um, how do I say this? And not sorry, this is not rapid fire at all. Um, suckers. What was, so what, what was it? I didn't hear. Energy, it. energy suckers. <laughs> energy suckers. That's all. In, that's an all-inclusive answer. <laughs> People who just can't ever say anything positive. Yeah, buzz killers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That too. <laughs> Pancakes or waffles? Pancakes. Pancakes. Wrong answer. Don't look, we'll don't, don't, don't look at me like that, Andrew. <laughs> um, books or movies? Books. Um, TV or movies? TV. Chocolate or vanilla? Chocolate. Good answer. You redeemed yourself for the, the pink. Yeah, one. I guess. <laughs> You're forgiven. <laughs> Thank you. I wasn't going to be able to sleep tonight. <laughs> we'll keep you up all week. <laughs> I know. It's like Andrew was upset that I didn't pick waffles. Well, thank you so much again for, for taking the time for this. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. This was fun. Of course. We'll do it again sometime. Yes, please do. Have a great Have a great day. Thanks. You too. <laughs> Bye. Hey, y'all. Thank you guys so, so, so much again for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, be sure to go check out Sarah's music wherever you listen to music and go check her out on social media. If you liked what you heard from the podcast, be sure to hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening and give us a follow on social media, Our Worlds of Country, on all platforms. Thank you guys so, so, so much again for tuning in. Talk to you guys next week.